Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box. And for those of you who have been with us for the last year or two, we've got a familiar face, a familiar voice with us today. Uh, I, I like to refer to you, Dr. Rice, as a healer. Uh, you're a teacher. You're a lecturer on the subject. Uh, guys, I'm with Dr. Michael Rice. Dr. Rice, how's it going, man? It's rocking. It's doing well. And uh, actually, for my for my mind, the uh, the root of the word education is educari, which means to draw out or to lead out. So mostly, as opposed to a teacher, which our culture I think tends to be, well, we're going to fill your mind with something you don't have. What my work is really about is the wholeness is already inside of each one of us. If it's restricted, if it's shut down, whether it's from blood flow, fear, rage, whatever it is, then it's hard to to come forward through our physiology as who we really are. And so all of the work that I've done over the last 50 years and then a couple of years ago, the Avison came along and it, it does what I'd been working to do with the mind, with the emotions, with the awareness of who we are. It does that physiologically. So you've got reinforcement on a, a physiological level. So. So education, educari, draw, bring out who we really are. You know, Dr. Rice, I knew I knew you were going to start off with something that just kind of blew my mind, uh, as you have in our previous uh, couple of conversations, which what we'll do is we'll uh, make sure we link uh, those conversations in the description, uh, whether that's on YouTube or any of the audio platforms. Uh, we've spoken about forgiveness. We've spoken about, you know, the Avacyn a little bit, which we're going to focus on more on today. Um, I love what you said there just about teaching is is more about almost like an unlocking process. A uh, It's a process of um, uh, bringing things forward and out. And is that kind of uh, what I just heard there? Well, I would see the word educate being more that from I, I just listened again this morning to our last interview where we talked about the forgiveness process. And I had decided to start out with a quote and with what we're with the direction we're heading, this quote will still fit. And it actually comes from a piece of research that was done by the CIA, interestingly enough. And here, here's what they, they did a research project. And there's actually a book on our website that they publish. You can get it from their website, but they keep moving the link around. So we've actually placed it on our Why Again site too. It's called The Study of Human Intelligence. And one chapter in that book, they studied uh, perception and what perception is. And of course their objective is, you know, we have these agents all over the world and we're trying to get the best feedback we can get from them. So here's what they say, perception, is a demonstrably active rather than passive process. It constructs rather than records reality. Mm. People continuously construct their own version of reality. So to me, teaching usually is teaching to the construct that somebody has in their mind. Okay, you have a belief system, your mind constructs your world a certain way, and I'm going to put more information in that because course you don't know and i do so i'll put it in for you where education says beneath and behind that is a whole world that perception never grasps mm. because of the closing down 
of the system. There's an interesting piece, we talked about this in our last session, there's an interesting piece of research from Harvard University. It's actually the most quoted research, it's been around for over 50 years, in psychological research ever. And, and basically what it says is that in a time frame where there are 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity happening in the brain, literally they've hooked electrodes up and measured it, that in that time frame, which is about a 25th of a second, the max amount of data that comes into conscious awareness, our perceptual construct, is nine bits. Tiny, tiny little piece. And if you remember, we talked about the key to that, the forgiveness is how to change that process. And so my offering is that if you look at there are 10,000 bits of data moving and something selects out nine bits and that's the world we see. And of course, if you select one nine bit chunk of information, I select another, we can go to war over it because right. I look at something and I say, no, it's this. And you say, no, it's that. And I want it to be this way and you want it to be that way. And we can literally people go to war over those things. Underneath that, there's a whole other world. And it's a world that's based in active present love. Mm. It's a world of light. You know, if you talk to the physicist, the physicist tells us that matter is light energy slowed down to form. Einstein says on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter, says Einstein. Our mind says, no, I live in a material world. Now, maybe, you know, somebody knows better than Einstein. I, I don't think I can stand up to him. He said, there's no matter. When you recognize that, then our perception shows us a world of solidified form. And to do that, we have to have solidified that within our own individual energy systems. So the mind becomes a reducing valve. Mm. Forgiveness, as the core of my work, is opening the reducing valve so that we get to see more of what's really what the actuality holds and what the Avison does where when, when you think about 10,000 bits of data firing restricted to nine bits, that's a lot of restriction. That's a lot of shutting down. What the Avison does literally is restore blood flow, open up blood flow to the whole system because where there's restriction, there's disease, literally, not an entity out there, a horrible virus or bug that's out to get us, but a dis-ease, a lack of ease because there's an energy locked in the structure that doesn't belong here. And the energy that most people get locked into that restricts that flow is hostility and fear. Mm. Fear, fright, fright, and freeze. And that's called, in medicine, sympathetic dominance. It literally, you know, if a lion's chasing you, you certainly don't need to reproduce. You don't need the spleen to work to build new blood cells. You don't need your bowel to work. You don't need to eliminate. Man doesn't need to produce sperm. Woman doesn't need to produce egg. Hey, there's a lion chasing me. We don't need energy for all that. We don't need higher cortical functions. So blood flow is cut off to all of those things. To move into sympathetic dominance, which shuts, shunts that blood into the larger muscles in order to enable us, to empower us to fight or run. And it opens the other flow, comes to the lungs, and we get an opening so we can take in more oxygen, supply more oxygen, and be more efficient at defending ourselves or running away. And that restriction is an awesome function because it's survival. Yep. 
Yep. But if that becomes chronic, people are in big trouble. People who live in hostility and fear. And I was just reading uh, some some information the other day, and they were talking about uh, assaults on children. That then they did some research on eight different forms of assault, and something like sixty percent of people in this country have had one or more of those forms of assault assaults mm. happen within their childhood. And when those things are set into activity, people go into restriction, fear. And oftentimes, you know, people will look at the kid and say, well, you know, just do something, do something. And the kid's like, well, why don't you, you know, what's wrong with you? You can't do. Hey, the brain just went into freeze mode. Mm. That's survival. You know, the possum rolls over and plays dead and it's survival. Freeze is a place that can mean survival. But if we impinge on the child, fear, rage, anger, and that locks into tissue, in the future, that child's mind and that child's physiology, 50 years later, can't tell the difference between that being re-triggered into activity and being a present moment experience and what happened when one was four, and they made all kinds of judgments that caused restriction for survival reasons. But now when the threat no longer exists, if that shutdown's still there, there's big trouble because literally intelligence is reduced. Literally the brain flow to higher cortical functions is cut off. One of the things the Avacyn does is restore that flow. Blood flow to, you know, the sympathetic dominance is that survival parasympathetic, the opposite or, or the opposite end of the spectrum. They're really one and the same. It's kind of like a, a slider on your, uh, your fancy stereo. You put it on one side and it quiets things down and you turn it way up and it's extra loud. It's a continuum. And, and if we live on that sympathetic side, because we've got a boss that resonates what dad used to do when he used to whip on me, then I'm right back being three years old in that same physiological state. What the Avacyn does, and, and there's a, you know, a, a set of muscle fibers at the head of each of 40 to 60 billion capillaries. You know, they talk about people being uptight. You know, what's the uptight person look like? Shoulders are hunched, yep. heads forward, protection, looking for, you know, what's going yes. to attack, all sorts of things. And in the extreme, what's the old man look like? The old woman. Everything shuts down, folds down to protect the heart, to protect the vital, vital organs. But if there's no threat, that's death because we're cut off from the ability to thrive, to regenerate, to rest properly, to digest properly, to reproduce. You look at the number of people who have digestive issues. You look at the number of people who, you know, I mean, it's skyrocketed the number of people who can't get pregnant. Mm. And that's all related to sympathetic dominance. What the Avacyn does by applying heat through the palm of the hand to the whole body supply of blood you know when when blood goes into the hand and flows through the hand and then returns to the body within three minutes it's back in the hand so once one puts one's hand in the avicen where the palm of the hand has heat applied to it and there's a vacuum that distends the blood vessels the vacuum causes the blood vessels in the hand to expand so more heat can be poured into it three times around in the body. So in about 10 minutes, literally 
the whole blood supply in the body is heated by a little less than one degree. And that just makes monumental changes in biochemistry. And at the head of each capillary, there's a set of muscle fibers. And those muscle fibers are called the precapillary orifice, are open to allow blood to flow in and supply the cells. Or if there's a threat, you know, cut off the blood supply, those muscles tighten, lock up, people become uptight who are in that state chronically, and those muscle fibers close to inhibit blood flow so that if injury occurs, people don't bleed to death. It's a survival mechanism, right. but we don't want to live in survival mode. So people who've habituated survival all their lives put their hand in the abyss, and, and over time, they get into a thing. There's a There was a book written a few years ago by a fellow named Herbert Benson, who was a, a heart specialist. It's called The Relaxation Response. Basically, and, and his method for achieving that was basically through meditation. And in today's world, a lot of people aren't going to stop and do that, but they can, even while they're sitting working on the computer or they're sitting watching TV or they're lying in bed, they can put their hand in the Avacyn and over time, the body will start to habituate that relaxation response. Those muscle fibers, when you pour warm blood over them, soften and open restores blood flow to the thrive, rest and digest parts of the system, to the higher functions in the brain. And everything changes when you do that. And that's basically the function of the Avacyn. That's fascinating. It, like one word came up in my head as you were speaking about how this whole process works and it's regenerative. And mm-hmm. uh, the reason I say regenerative is because that's a kind of a, uh, a, a hot word in, uh, in medicine right now, regenerative medicine. And there's, you know, there's stem cell, there's, you know, PRP, things like that. But what you're saying, because I'm seeing this as a form of regeneration, the, you put your hand in the Avacyn. So for the people who, who, um, have, have not seen one of these devices, you put your hand in, uh, you're in a glove and it, it, uh, like Dr. Rice says, there, it's a, a vacuum type thing and it it heats the palm of your hand which heats your blood and and i'm uh if i'm wrong dr rice i'm speaking in complete layman's terms here uh it's heating your blood and then what you're saying is that blood that heated blood is going to circulate through throughout my entire body three times over the course of 10 minutes is that Mm -hmm. so so now that's to me that's like a healing mechanism that's happening while my hand's in this through my palm. Is there a reason why it's the palm out of curiosity? Yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, the device is about the size of a bread box. Okay. One end, there's an opening for your hand to go in. There's a specially designed plastic mitt. It's a, a patented mitt. The, the, the Avacyn has a, an onboard computer that has about 4,000 different instructions. So when you start the machine, you'll hear it ticking away. You'll hear that. And it's continually adjusting the vacuum. And the reason why the hand, there, there are two places in the body that there's a, what's called the AVA, arterial venous anastomosis. It's a heat exchanger. It's a radiator, basically. You'll notice if it's hot at night, what do you do? You stick your foot out from under the blanket and you cool down. How does that work? Well, you've actually got a little radiator in your foot. You've got radiators in your hands. Easier to do the hand than the feet. You'll notice that 
If you're cold, you spontaneously rub your hands together. Yep. What happens? You generate heat. The heat is absorbed into that AVA in the hand and is distributed throughout the whole body. So you're literally warming all the blood in your body when you do this. Or the other side of the equation, you get frustrated, you get hot, you get overheated. And what happens? Your palms sweat. That's the AVA throwing off heat. So you've got a, a, a way into the bloodstream through the palm of the hand. Okay. I can remember when a friend of mine who's a naturopath who introduced me to the Avacyn and was telling me about what it does and how it works. It's like, well, why should I buy an Avacyn? I'll just go get myself a bucket of water, put my hand in hot water. Well, except that the body is always searching for homeostasis which means that if I put my hand in a bucket of hot water and my body says, okay, enough, it'll shut down that radiator and no more heat will enter the bloodstream. There's one body hack that the Avacyn does. And that is when you put your hand in the machine and you start it, you've got this glove on and it creates a vacuum around your hand that distends the blood vessels. And now the AVA can't shut down. Okay. So you can continuously pour heat into the bloodstream through the palm of the hand. So one of the mechanisms of action is to open those capillary heads. Once the warmed blood flows over the capillary head, it opens. And now you've got, instead of uptight, you've got the relaxation response. Can, can you, flow- why does that happen? So what we're, explain how the, so you're avoiding homeostasis and you're heating up the blood how does that activate the relaxation thing? Because that, that's a, I think that's a big deal, a big part of this, okay. because you're talking parasympathetic, sympathetic. Right. What's happening there? Sure. Well, let's do it experientially. Let's go in the opposite direction. Okay. Let yourself take a couple of deep breaths and just be relaxed. And imagine you're at home and you're in a really sweet space. You know, you just had a good meal. Things are feeling great. You're breathing beautifully and everything is just sweet. Mm. And you hear a noise in the background that to your mind, your mind interprets as threat and imminent danger. Yeah. Do that. You just went from the relaxation response to sympathetic dominance. Right. I can feel I can feel tension. Yeah, you can feel tension. And I mean, for me, when I do it, I can actually feel my body want to rise up like I'm going into action here. Right. Right. So. Most people or people who, you know, those 60% or so, especially who have had one to eight different forms of abuse in childhood Mm. live in that state continuously. You know, it's been labeled as a disorder, ADHD. Oh, this child can't focus on learning. Why do you think that is? This child is so threatened that it has to be hypervigilant to make sure that the next attack that's coming, it's got a way to to handle it, to duck and get out of the way. So it lives in that tension state. Of course, there's no attention for learning in that state. And so when when one goes into that tension place, there's this lockup. And the, the primary lockup that happens is in the capillaries that supply parasympathetic nervous system the opening is to the sympathetic Mm, okay and so if that's closed up we've got somebody who's uptight literally billions of muscle fibers at the headwaters of each capillary are in tension they're locked up and there's not blood flow to those 
parts of the structure. And, and if that happens long term, you know, I use the example in that other video I was telling you about. Uh, imagine we've got a beautiful flowing stream, beautiful, clean, cold, clear water, and a tree falls over the stream. And the branches block up the stream right. and debris catches. And over a period of a couple of months, you've got a swamp. Now you've got smelly things growing there that were never growing in the stream. They were always in the stream, just like the so-called decay bacteria are always in our bodies. But they never multiplied because it was never an environment for them to multiply in. And so if one lives in that state and those capillary heads are closed down, what happens? You've got congestion now. And where there's congestion, you end up with a food supply for organisms that aren't supposed to multiply there. They aren't supposed to go out of balance. And then, of course, if you add the sad diet, the standard American diet, where people eat the crap oils, the food that is basically nutrition free. You know, one of the things we're, we've been doing here the last four years, we've been living in Bristol, Virginia. My father-in-law became ill, couldn't live on his own. We decided to just come and take care of him we've been developing gardens. And one of the th things that I've, I've realized that we have a teaching center called Heartland. And when we do an intensive there, we do total fresh and raw food. We don't cook anything. Mm. Everything is as organic as we can get it. And it's fresh and raw. And that's part of what we teach people to do, go into the kitchen and get their hands on real actual food. And we've, we used to grow food at Heartland. We actually haven't opened since 2019 because of COVID. We used to grow food there, but I never personally got my hands in the soil. But since we've been here, we, we actually, you know, the house we're on is, uh, has been here 60 or more years and it sits on a hill uh, that's just a chunk of clay and had a lawn on top of it, no soil. And so we started, I started doing some study of that and started building soil. And one of the things that's become very clear to me is you can't grow food on dirt. And it's very similar with the microbiome of the body. You can't grow food on dirt. And most of our commercially produced food, one of the first things they do is they spray 10 gallons of glyphosate on every acre of land to make sure everything in the, the dirt, because now it's not so anymore, it's dirt, is totally and completely dead. And then they want us to believe that if you put seeds in there, you'll actually get life from that death. I'm working an article called Healing from the Ground Up, and you've got to start your healing process from the soil. Interesting. It has to have life in it. It has to have a microbiome in order to grow actual food. The other stuff looks like food because it's been chemically manipulated and sprayed and bug killed and toxified. And it, you know, kind of looks like food. But, you know, <laughs> three years ago, we got our first, four years ago, we got our first crops of tomato here. I hadn't tasted a tomato like this in 30 years. It's like, oh, this thing actually has flavor. It's not one of those rubber balls you get at the grocery store that's grown on dirt and has no actual nutrition because the, in order to get nutrition into the plant, there has to be bacterial and act activity in the soil. There has to be life there. So it has to be soil, not dirt. And in the very same way, our gut has to be live tissue, not toxic junk. And so all of those things go to creating congestion throughout the system. And if fear is the primary mode of operation or hostility, which is just a, a drug to anesthetize fear, 
then there ends up being congestion at these capillary orifices because they're closed down and the flow can't happen. What the Avacyn does is gets the tissue to soften and flow begins to happen, which cleans out the congestion and the toxicity that's stuck in the tissue. And then when you poured enough heat into the body and the hippocampus says, oh, we're getting too warm, we have to do something, then what happens is the microcirculatory system opens to flush that heat on a whole other level. Now you're pumping blood into the organs, into the muscles throughout the whole system on a whole other level. You can get, there's actually an interesting article if you put in, uh, I believe it was Science Magazine. There actually was published in a couple of different magazines, but Loughborough University in England did a study on the benefits of a hot bath. Mm. And it's all the same thing. So you can do the same thing with a hot bath, with the Avacyn. Except that there's one genius piece, the designer of the Avacyn set the machine up so that you don't go into sweat mode. Now, if you go into a hot bath, you warm the blood. It has just, I mean, uncountable benefits. They've done the research, blood sugar, all sorts of things change when you warm the blood. And you can do that with a bath. But when you take a bath, or you can do it with a sauna, you know, if you do some research would, would on that be, Would your body fight to go back to homeostasis if you're in a bath well, or in a sauna? Well, that that's the thing. The the hack that happens with the Avacyn when you open that AVA, when you, you distend the blood vessels with the vacuum, keeps it open, the blood flows in, but it keeps the body at a lower temperature than sweat. Because when you get in a bath, first of all, it's math that you do. Most people aren't going to do that if they're really in need of support three, four, five, six times a day. You can do the same thing by going out for a five-mile run. People who become addicted to running. This is what's happening. This is the change that's happening. But it's pretty sweaty and messy. And the way that the heat, the excess heat is dissipated when one's in a bath or goes out for a run is the moisture in the skin rises to the surface and evaporation of that moisture cools the body down. None of that happens with the Avacyn. Got it. It's neat. You don't sweat. It's not messy. You can work on your computer for an hour and have your hand in the Avacyn, or you can watch a movie, and you're doing the same thing. But instead of dissipating that heat through sweat, it dissipates it by increasing the circulation to the whole organic structure, including the brain. And so higher cortical functions tend to open. And when one goes into that relaxation response, everything is accelerated in that rest, digest, regenerate healing mode. Would the Avacyn do kind of the same thing? Like we talk a lot about sauna use and all of its benefits. Can you get those same exact benefits, maybe even more so with the Avacyn? Well, that's what I'm saying. The, the, the one thing that was genius of the inventor of the Avacyn was to make sure that the body stays below sweat point. Because when you go into sweat, now you're dissipating the heat through sweat. And that's that doesn't produce any healing benefit. When all of the heat is being dissipated by microcirculation throughout the body, there's that flush, then every organ is getting a, a greater blood supply, which means more oxygen, more nutrition, and the activation of the lymphatic system and the removal of wastes. Mm. If the heat is dissipated through sweat, you don't get those benefits. I had no idea that the Avacyn activated the lymphatic system. 
that makes complete One, sense. It's all connected in, and the. And, and one of the reasons why when people start the Abbas, and especially if they're highly toxic, that we suggest that they start out just doing five to ten minutes for a day or two is because you can go into a Hertzheimer reaction, go into a detox. And so if people are you know pretty toxic, then they want to take it slowly. Not you can do any harm. It's a wonderful thing. It's just not not Dr. Feelgood, you know. And uh, Can you actually and, have and, like a like a, a negative response in, in the in a, in a scenario where it's overwhelming, is that kind of well? What? My my offering would be it wouldn't be a negative response, but it's called a, a healing crisis. Now, when you think of the body a mind unit as an energy system, if an energy comes in that is of a disintegrative nature, when you go back to Einstein, there's energy, not matter. Relative to this integrated energy system, there are two qualities of energy. There's that which build it up, integrative energy. There's that which tears it down disintegrative energy. If you put a disintegrative energy into the structure, you become symptomatic. If that energy is physical, mental, emotional, you know, it might be a toxic emotion. It might be a physical toxin. And on the way in, the body responds to it and it reflects that toxicity. And if this person doesn't have sufficient vitality and strength to throw it off, then it stores it away in tissue, stores it away, stores it away. People become filled with toxins. The detoxification uh, processes of the structure don't work properly when people live in <gasps> mode, shuts it down. So when you become vital enough, you know, I, I have an imaginary vitality meter it goes from one to 10. So imagine that I'm at a level five vitality and I have a level seven toxin. Why am I a level five vitality? I don't want to deal with those level seven feelings. So I eat all the junk I can. I take a shot of scotch when I need it. Hey, give me some caffeine. Oh, give me some sugar. I need ice cream. Give me something toxic or just give me nutrition-free food. And now when I'm designed to live at a 10, I'll drop down, drop down. The more I toxify, the lower my vitality is. So here I am at a five and I've got a level seven toxin. Maybe it's rage that I need to deal with. When I start changing my diet. And this is one of the reasons, you know, I heard one, one speaker a few years back say that people will change their religions before they'll change their diet. Why? Because if I start eating actual food, I'm going to strengthen. And if I strengthen and I get up to a level 7.5 vitality, all of a sudden the automatic dissociation mechanism in me says, hey, that old level seven toxin we couldn't handle 20 years ago, we've not now got the vitality to handle it. Boom, up it comes. Nothing negative about that. That's wonderful. It just isn't Dr. Feelgood. Healing, yeah. and, and the reason why most people want treatment, just treat my symptoms, just shut this down, is because they think they don't have to deal with it, but what they shut down becomes long-term degeneration. What they open up, they're going to go back through physically, mentally, emotionally. So on a physical level, when one becomes vital enough, and what the Abyssin does is it vitalizes, when one becomes vital enough on a physical level, they're going to experience any physical symptom they have ever had in their lives and there's going to be low energy you know they're rocking along doing great and all of a sudden they're like crash i can hardly move what's wrong i'm so tired well tell me just before you got that tired had you hit a new level of clarity a new level well yeah last night man i went to bed feeling so great i was on top of the world 
And then I got up this morning and I wonder if anybody got the number of the Mack truck that went through my room during the night. What happened? Oh, you just went into a healing crisis. You hit a new level of vitality. Your structure opened what you need to deal with. Now, lay down and let yourself heal. Probably one of the biggest mm. things missing in our culture in terms of people actually healing is we're so go, 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 so driven that people don't stop and go, I need to take time for me. I need to rest. I need to get into the relaxation response and let myself process through this old physical toxicity that I'm moving. I got this gut ache and man, this is, geez, I remember, man, I was about seven when I had that happen. God, this feels just like when I was, yeah, it is the actual toxicity that went into the structure at the age of seven. So physically, any kind of physical symptom you've ever had in low energy, mentally looks like any negative thought you've ever had in confusion. That's part of the healing process. So now all of a sudden what that seven-year-old was thinking about dad is dad whacked him in the head is now in his mind. But, you know, dad's been dead for 20 years and he turns around and there's his spouse. And now those thoughts get pointed at his spouse. Now we have conflict in a relationship. There's where the forgiveness piece comes in. Because when you know how to forgive, you start to access those dissociated energies directly and you start consciously, purposely throwing them out of your structure rather than pointing them at somebody else and blaming somebody else. You know, there's there's an interesting conversation going on in a lot of the world today about this horrible, satanic one world religion that's trying to take over the world. Excuse me. The one world religion took over the world a long, long time ago. And the religion is called blame. This is all your fault. Look what you've done to me. Yes, I've been through this 87 different times with 42 different people, but this time it really is your fault. And and I've been tricked by my own perception. The energies that are moving me, I'm going to turn into a picture. <clears throat> Pardon me. What's it going to be a picture of? Well, let's see. Who's in my environment today? You. Oh, okay. You're the problem. Who was in my environment yesterday? Oh, you. It was Joe that was the problem. Oh, it was Harry. And you know, I, I have a whole procession of people. And what's going on inside of me is all my fault. That's the one world religion that took over a long time ago. It's called blame and guilt. And it's all your fault. So when one goes into a vitalized state and they understand the healing process, then they know that physically, mentally, and emotionally. And again, emotionally, it's going to look like any kind of negative feeling and depression. So this person that was on top of the world last night gets up in the morning, just lower than a snake's belly. What happened? I'm now, I had a level of vitality where I could process this deep dissociated content. And maybe this content isn't even mine. It might go back four generations in my bloodline. I might be working with something that happened to my great, 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 great grandfather. There's actually a, we do a radio show five days a week and, in our intensive, we did a, a Zoom intensive, codependence to interdependence. It's something that's available as a self-study if everybody, anybody wants to do it. But there was a woman in it who had been, actually, she was in her 70s and heading to the hospital because of some heart issues. And in the intensive, she was given the assignment of inquiring of her generations internally about their heart condition. Well, I'll tell you, this happened live during the intensive, and I was in tears as I'm listening to what this woman went through. And she ended up having what for her was a conversation with, if I remember correctly, it was her great-great-grandfather. 
And he spoke about how he came over from, I believe it was Lithuania, where they were starving, to this land of milk and honey. And they starved here in America. And he told her about how they actually dug a hole in the ground and created a cave to live in and how he lived in such terror that his crops would fail and his family would starve and how the rage he took out on his wife and his children and how abusive he came. She knew historically that that man existed and she had a conversation with him mm. and she was able to process him through as she processed herself through this heart crisis that she had. Just monumental she actually called into the radio show a couple days later to share that and once again i was in tears with that i'll send you a link to the radio show where please, she please shares that conversation and and so and this is a woman who's been doing this my work now for hmm, 16 or 17 years so she's developed some skills at doing it you know when people first run into it they go well how could i ever do that i mean gee that's well like any other skill if you work with it you develop a skill you know i Back a few years ago, I bought a computer, and uh, when I got it, it wouldn't work properly. I called the company, and I'm on the phone with tech support for a couple hours, and, and the company, oh, okay, well, well, gee, we can't fix it. Send it back to us. So I send it back. They fix it. I bring it back, plug it in. Same problem. Call them again, tech support. Send it back. They fix it. Bring it back. Same thing. Still doesn't work. I have a friend of mine who at that time lived in Kansas City, and he was a former NASA computer scientist. He's got about four businesses. I don't bother him because I know how busy he is. But I'm like at my rope's end with this computer. So I call Graham and I say, Graham, I got this computer. And, you know, this is what's happening. He says, well, here, go to a C prompt. Back then I was just learning, what's a C prompt? Okay, <laughs> I go to a C prompt. He says, type the string of characters in. Hit a return. Okay, tell me what the screen says. He tells me. Or I tell him. He says, okay, type this in. Hit a return. Tell me what it says. I do that. Okay, type this in. Your computer's fixed. It's like... Come on, Graham, now you've got to be kidding. Michael, your computer is fixed. Guess what? My computer was fixed. Interesting. Now, former NASA computer scientist, he knew <laughs> because he had the skills exactly what to do. The average person who's lived in the, the world religion of blame, everything's for your fault, it was dad's fault, it was mom's fault, it's the government's fault, it's the doctor's fault, it's everybody else's fault, starts to recognize, oh, my perceptual constructs tell me show me pictures false pictures of everybody else but what they really tell me about first is the content of my own mind now i start to develop the skill of going into my own mind and cleaning up what never belonged mm. and i start to change the energetic patterns the toxic energies and i begin to work through them and if i have a, a physiological support like the avacin that vitalizes and helps to on a physiological level crack up those toxic deposits of energy those swamps within the microcirculatory system and you know we hear a lot um, from medicine about you know arteries and veins but we rarely ever hear about these tiny tiny blood vessels that are a tenth to a hundredth the thickness of a hair because what do you do with those who knows what how to do anything with those well the avicen does and it works on that level and you know an artery or a vein never supplied a drop of blood to a cell never supplied a, a one iota of oxygen or one scintilla of, of nutrition to a cell. Mm. It all gets delivered to the capillary. The capillary delivers it to the cell. And then that blood flow removes the toxic wastes of metabolism that aren't supposed to stay in the cell and toxify the cell. They're supposed to be carried out. But if the, the headwaters, if that capillary orifice is closed off, 
that doesn't happen. And the cell now starts to become a swamp on its own. And when it becomes a swamp, there's an environment there. There's an old saying that says, if you feed them, they will come. And that toxic waste becomes the perfect supply for toxic elements, toxic bacteria and such. And the bacteria isn't the problem. The bacteria has always been there. And it's always been in balance by, you know, balanced by a healthy cell and an immune system. It starts to get a little out of balance, the immune system kicks in. But if it's a way out of balance because there isn't that blood flow into the cell, if there isn't the oxygen nutrition and the cell turns toxic, then the waste just, I mean, it just exacerbates and ultimately leads to death. So what does this, I want to get this in here because I know a lot of people who are listening you know, know people with arthritis or have arthritis them, their, themselves. How does this make sense with arthritis? And because I know, I, I know my, my mom uses this for that uh, purpose. And then w- once we get through the arthritis thing, talk to us a little bit about best practices for introducing Avacyn into your routine. Okay. Well, uh, are you familiar with the work of a man named Dr. John Sarno? I'm not. Okay. Well, you can go to um, Amazon. Okay. Type in the name of the documentary on his work, All the Rage. And for five bucks, you can watch his video. Okay. Or go to a website, All the Rage DOC, as in documentary, All the Rage, All the Rage, one word, dot com. And for six bucks, you can buy the link to Vimeo and watch his video. Dr. Sarno passed a couple of years ago at the age of 92. He was a medical researcher at, uh, I believe it was University of Buffalo or New York University, uh, Rusk School of Medicine. And he was a back surgeon. And in the later years of his practice, he did no back surgery. What he did was he taught people what the cause of their pain was. And he has the best definition of back pain or any form of pain that I've ever heard, but especially for him specifically because he was a spinal surgeon, his definition of back pain was back pain is unconscious rage. It's rage that people have dissociated from. And what he says is, He has a thing called TMS, tension mitosis syndrome. He says, this is totally, completely caused by the mind, but it is a totally, completely physical disorder. Yep. Now, a lot of people want to try and figure that one out. Like, wait a minute, there's a mind and there's a body. But, you know, we've been tricked way back in history. You know, the church and the scientists made a deal. You do the mind, we'll do the body, we'll do the soul. And, you know, so they separated it. But but the mind can no more be separated from the body than I use an example of. So I have a, a silver dollar and I look at one side of the silver dollar and I see the head. You know, it's George Washington or whoever it is. On the other side, I see a building. And so I say, so so here's the tail and here's the head. All right. So now I want you to take the tail off the coin. Can you take the tail off the coin and leave only the head? No. The tail and the head are different perspectives on a single event. That's silver dollar. You can't separate them. The mind and the body 
our different perspectives on a single event called the human energy system. When a disintegrative energy comes into the mind, and cell biologist Bruce Lipton is showing us in the lab that when you think a thought, that thought produces a neuropeptide molecule, an actual molecule appears from out of nowhere, and it circulates around in the structure until it finds a receptor site in a cell that matches. That neuropeptide lands on the cell. And if we were looking from the inside of the cell, we would see as that neuropeptide integrates into the cell, we'd see what we call chemistry. Now the cell chemistry is changed by the neuropeptide, which is a result of the thought we thought. The body and the mind are one. Mm -hmm. Put disease into the mind, you have actual physical disease. Have physical disease in the body, you have actual disease in the mind. Mm. So what uh, Dr. Sarno explains to his patients, <clears throat> and I've watched people with severe forms of pain in the middle of watching his video go oh my god that's what my pain is and i'm talking about people who've been laid up in bed for months with excruciating back pain that have their back pain disappear that fast there is there is a book that i was referred to recently i have not read it yet and but my my buddy gave me kind of the premise and and I, it, it might be related to Dr. Sarno. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, it's in regards to back pain, and it's uh, by a doctor. And uh, the way he describes back pain is, well, the way, he, the, uh, kind of a little synopsis of the book is uh -huh. a lot of times, or he, where he's coming from is he's saying that your brain will distract yourself from some sort of traumatic event with with a pain. Yeah. <laughs> so like so like if you're having back pain, your brain doesn't want you to deal with whatever traumatic traumatic thing is cuz it's trying to protect you. And so it distracts you with a with a pain in your back. Is that Sarna? That's Sarna. And the mechanism, TMS, here's what he says. He says, so your, your mind doesn't want to deal with that, so it creates tension, tension mitosis syndrome, he calls it. It creates tension in the muscle, in the capillary, and that restricts blood supply. He says a 5% lack of oxygen in a cell, and the cell is now in excruciating pain. Wow. So it's a physical thing that's happening. Right. The tension restricts blood flow. Exactly what we're talking about that the Avacyn counteracts is it goes in and softens that tension and increases the blood flow into the cell. Again, according to Sarno, 5% lack of oxygen and you've got excruciating pain in the cell. And it's done with the mind, but it happens in the body because they are the head and the tail. You can't take the tail off of the coin. You can't take the head off of the coin and leave just the tail. You can't take the mind out of the body and you can't take the body out of the mind. When we put in a, it, it's interesting. If you go to the opening words, this goes back now to ancient times, go to the opening words in the book of John in the new Testament. And we're told it says that it opens with in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. Not what it says in Aramaic. What it says in the original language that that was written in is in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. Think a thought. 
neuropeptide, land on cell, becomes chemistry in cell. Forgiveness, develop the skill, reverse the, the religion of denial. No, I'm not dealing with that. Charlie did that to me. It's all his fault. Reverse that, develop the skill to go in and literally extract that neuropeptide, decode what it says. And now you're in touch with the compressed energy that was locked into that cell creating trauma. You're in touch with it. And now you're dealing with the original event. And what happens in, in order to heal anything, you've got to return your mind to the point where the original trauma happened. Now, a lot of people think, well, does that mean I have to lay on the couch for 20 years and, and find the deep, dark, dirty thing that happened to me? No, no, you don't have to do that at all. Returning to the point where the event happened is not a function of memory. Returning to the point where, where it happened is a function of forgiveness. So something comes along that resonates that experience I had at seven when I was being beaten by dad. That energy resonates in me and I produce a construct about my spouse made out of that mind energy. And now my spouse is the enemy that my father was, you know, decades ago. And that picture, if I can collapse it, if I know how it is developed and it's developed if you remember from our conversation last time on forgiveness we have a goal you know nobody's ever upset with people who are fulfilling all the goals that they have for them you know you're doing all the things i want you to do hey i'm a happy camper with you unless i'm just a generally miserable person but the minute you violate a goal that i hold the goal is the driver that determines out of the twenty thousand bits or the ten thousand bits of data that they could measure at harvard Firing in the mind where only nine bits show up. The goal is the thing that determines which nine bits of data my mind is allowed to use. If I know that and I apply forgiveness in the, in the Aramaic, the word forgive is beg, it means to cancel. When I cancel that goal, my perceptual construct collapses. And when it collapses, it collapses in on itself. And when it collapses in on itself, I've got access to what underlies it, what the original event was. I just returned my mind to the place where the original trauma happened. Now, that doesn't usually happen all at one time as people start to do the work of forgiveness because they don't want to go there. They've lived their whole lives in denial, dissociation, projection. It's all everybody else's fault. It takes time. Like my friend Graham, who told me, bing, 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 here's how to fix your computer. It takes the skill. And by working with your own mind and cleaning it up, you develop the skill of being able to access those things. And the Avacyn vitalizes to keep vitality up, keep blood flow going so that you can process through those things. And in this work, we define processing as the ability to hold love conscious, active and present when something less than love comes up. So when one accesses those pained events in one's lives or in one's life, then they are able to bring those things forward and maintain the presence of active love. Well, that would be the canceling function, right? Well, when you cancel the goal, the perceptual construct collapses in on itself. Now, going to the root of what happened, you start to access the original mind energy. And when you hold love present for that, that light dissolves mm. the traumatic aspect of it and the trauma is healed. So all of those things have to come together simultaneously and that's why it's a skill and that's why most people um, you know when they first hear about forgiveness don't really hang around long enough 
to really understand the process. Actually, we've done since we talked, I'll send you a link to this, too. Maybe you can put it on with this yeah, video. Sure. Uh, we, we have an app, a forgiveness app, the world's only forgiveness app. People can go to their um, app store on their phone and just type in the words Heartland, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Aramaic Forgiveness. And they'll be looking at the world's only forgiveness app. It's free. It's totally, completely private. It was specifically designed with as few permissions as we could possibly ask for. You know, the average app, they want your you know, your grandmother's social security number. They want to access your contacts, use your phone, send your text. This only asks for one thing. That is, you need to use the Internet in order to operate. And then when you do the forgiveness process, there's a worksheet you can actually fill out. Then you do the forgiveness process. You can save it as a PDF. And it'll ask permission to save that. That's the only two permissions you ask for. You know, when people get into this kind of work, that's pretty intensely private. And so we made yep. the app. So it's totally private. So anyway, we, we did a video that walks people th through how to use the app. So I'll send you that Please. video so people can Please. just go click, click and walk through it. And, and of course, five days a week from one till two o'clock we have an internet radio show you can access it through our website which is whyagain.org people can go there there's a microphone you can click it and listen to the radio show there it, it, most people actually call into the show with their phones and the call-in number for the show is 563-999-3581 if you call that number 563-999-3581 You'll be listening to the show live from one till two o'clock Eastern time. And if you have a question, just push one on your phone and we're having a conversation and we'll answer any questions you have about the Avison or forgiveness or any of the corollary work that we've developed over the last 50 years. We've just kind of given a little window on the whole thing here. But Yeah, I'd encourage anybody uh, to, to go check not only whyagain.org, but also listen into the show. Uh, Dr. Rice, you've been doing you've been doing that for how many years you just said? Uh, we've been we've got over four thousand hours in the archives now. We've been doing it five days a week for eleven years, fifty two so weeks a year. So amazing. And uh, and the conversation goes on. And and the you know, most people can't access this kind of thinking anywhere in their world. Yeah. And if you can't access when you when you think of the mass of data, you know, if we took all of the world's crazy supercomputers and wired them together, it would not approximate the data processing and carrying capacity of one human form. Wouldn't even come close. So in order, and there's, there's a, a physics principle behind the way this thing works, it's called inertia. If you remember from physics yeah. class in high school, a body moving in a particular direction at a particular rate of speed will tend to continue to move in that direction at that rate of speed until it's acted upon by an outside force. We have a mass of data that is generations upon generations upon generations. In fact, if you go back, there's a story about this in the Old Testament where this group of people called the Jews were lost in the desert, they say, for 40 years. Now, when you think about that, and I think we talked about this in our last show, but when you think about that, so here's a very, group of very bright people who understand astronomy very well, and they're lost in a 35-square-mile area for 40 years. Um, does that make any sense? I mean, they know where the sun comes up and where the sun sets. If you follow it, you're out of the desert, out of 35 square miles in a matter of days. But that word desert is a code word for the unconscious. And if you go read that story, you'll find out the way they got out of the desert, what, the, what had to happen. They said the old generation had to die off. 
That didn't mean everybody in old physical bodies had to physically die. The root of the word generation is genari. It means cause. All of the old causes dissociated from and locked in this carbon-based memory system, which was called the mind of man in those teachings, all of those old dynamics are inertia-bound, man. They're going to keep going until you develop the strength and the skill and the willingness to deal with that, dig into it and change it. People are driven by what's ever contained within their unconscious. Mm. And the code word in that ancient teaching was the desert. It was also another code word in those ancient teachings for the desert was the heart. And you remember they said, take care of the heart, for out of it are the issues in life. The issues in your life aren't about your dad or your mom or the guy over there or the gal over there or the child that, you know, just got mad at you. The issues in your life come from your own heart, your own unconscious. Forgiveness gives you access to your unconscious. Mm. Most people don't want to go there. The world so didn't want to go there that the Greeks took the teaching on forgiveness, which was all about how you go inside and remove content that never belonged and made it about how, well, you know, it's all their fault. Here's the one world religion to blame. It's their fault. But you just forgive them. You just let them off the hook for what's happening inside of you. Then life will get better. And that's a total fraud. Like never, ever forgive anybody for anything, but forgive continuously, which means continuously go inside yourself for the generational patterns of hostility or fear that need to be removed, remove them. And now you're freed from the desert. What happens then? You get to go to the promised land. What's the promised land? It's just the land of conscious co-creation. Instead of unconsciously creating what happens in your life and asking yourself the question of my book, why is this happening to me again? You consciously create your life. You engage in what you really want to be creating, not I think about, well, I want a wonderful relationship, but in the file in my unconscious on relationships is relationships of strife and conflict and fight and death and suffering. Guess what kind of relationship I'm going to get out of my request for a wonderful relationship? I'm going to get what's in my heart. Take care of the heart for out of it are the issues in life. It's not out of the marriage. It's out of the heart. And so to enter into the habit of owning and processing through what never belonged. And and the the blessing of the Avison, I use it about two and a half hours a day personally. I started out using about 10 minutes twice a day, then worked to 15 minutes twice a day, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And if I don't get into a, a healing crisis, it's too much for me. Keep increasing the time. I have one friend in... Can you say that one more time? I'm sorry. Uh, if sure. You... Yeah. Start out slow okay. because... The, the you know, we, we detailed what a healing crisis looks like physically, mentally, emotionally. If you go in too fast, if you're really toxic and you go in too fast, you can have so much moving. It's like overwhelm and it's too traumatic. When you if you're carrying a lot of trauma and you start to detox your trauma too quickly, it can be a problem. Mm. So you start slowly. Ten minutes, morning and night. Does it matter which it's hand? You know, some people use the left hand in the morning, the right hand at night. I haven't found it makes a difference. Okay. Okay. So you can't, oh, you can't overdo it on a hand. No. Well, I was starting to say I have a friend in Arizona who had had several back surgeries. Uh, he had actually had a couple of surgeries where they cut nerves to try and deaden his pain. He was in so much pain. His mother lived in California. He had not seen her in several years. He couldn't get in a car and drive. He started using the Avacyn, and after about six months, he was up to using it six hours a day. And he was able to get in his car, drive to California, see his mom, and drive back home again without so much trauma that he couldn't do it. 
took about six months, but he was doing six hours a day. I do about two and a half hours a day, but I suggest people work up slowly to it. Add five minutes twice a day. When you get to 30 minutes twice a day, then if you want to, you know, increase and go to a second session, do 60 is, minutes. Is there certain results you're looking at in terms of like gauging, you know, when to like, what if I get up to 30 minutes twice a day and I'm like pretty happy. I'm like, you know, this is really, you know, my pain is subsiding. Uh, would you just suggest stay there? Stay with it. Okay. Stay with it. Or the, the best guide is always your own guidance. Listen to your own guidance. What what are you being told? There is a part of you that knows everything that you need. And at first, while we're living in this little perceptual bubble, it can be hard to get guidance from that. But as you start to soften that with forgiveness, as you start to break through the toxicity, you'll learn more and more what's required. Generally, you know, when I first started using it, I had had an injury. There's a, a family dynamic. I had a grandmother who uh, on her deathbed, you know, they had taken the parts of her feet and her legs off till she was both up to both her knees. My mother had horribly deformed feet and I had some pretty deep trauma with my feet. And I had a, a tingling in the tips of all 10 of my toes when I first started to use the Avacyn. I thought it was nerve damage. It's just, you know, it's a family thing. It's what you live with. The second time I used the Avacyn, 80% of that was gone. Wow. And within two months, 100% of that was gone. So my routine now, usually in the morning, I do about an hour meditation, my hands in the Avacyn. I do my radio show for an hour. My hand is always in the Avacyn when I'm doing the radio show. And in the evening, my wife and I have a TV in our bedroom and we usually watch a, a movie or something. And we'll each do at least a half an hour with the Avacyn last thing night before we go to sleep. One of the, uh, the other reports that I get regularly from people was, I thought I slept well, but man, now I really sleep well. And so I suggest, you know, last thing at night, you know, have the Avacyn on. People who wake up a lot during the night, keep the Avacyn on the bed beside you, keep it in standby mode. And uh, if you wake up, put your hand in the Avacyn, people go right back to sleep. And there are two ways to turn the machine on if you're not aware of it. One, you can hit the power button, it turns on, you do a session, and it automatically powers down when you complete that session. Or you notice on the right-hand side, there's a button with a check mark on it. You push the check mark, and then you push the power button, hold them both down, and let them go at the same time. Now, when the machine powers up and you do a session, when you finish the session, it goes into standby mode. So you don't have to wait for the machine to heat up every time. Ooh, okay. So you just, and, and it takes, you know, three or four cents a day to run it. So it's not any big deal. My machine is on all day, every day. At night, it lays beside the bed. And last thing at night, we use it on the bed and, uh, and then shut it down and then start it again in the morning. Is that something like, say you've gotten, you know, to a place where you feel really good, a lot of your, you know, aches and pains are gone. Should you stop or, is, or you know, do you just keep going? Is there, does it last forever even if you don't continue doing it? The people who I've worked with who have uh, stopped using it, I've had like, I think about one woman and she had, or you mentioned arthritis, she had arthritis in her finger so bad she had to wear a splint. And she'd had the splint on for a couple of years. She was the Avacyn for a week and she threw away her splint. And she never put the splint back on again. She actually uh, had borrowed, I loaned her the Avacyn and she had it for a couple of weeks, eliminated that. And, and she just stopped using it. 
and her her fingers never gone back to that state. And other people I've seen, you know, they haven't changed the toxic ways of thinking, the toxic food, the to toxic ways of behaving. So if they drop their maintenance program, they'll tend to slide back. So like for me personally, I intend to use it every day for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. That's just, it's part of my daily routine. It's like my nutrition, that boost in vitality. I feel, you know, over the period of about two and a half years I've been using it, I've just watched several things that I would call the symptoms of aging that have just dropped away. You know, when my daughter was born, she's now 40. She doesn't like me to say that, but 40 years ago she was born. And, and right across from where we lived in Atlanta, there was a large tree lot and a, a developer had bought it. And the week she was born, they started cutting it down to put them all in. And we had a fireplace. So they were just hauling this wood away. And I got talking to the supervisors. Yeah, we just haul it to the dump and burn it. It's like, well, do you mind if I cut some of it for my fire? And he said, take as much as you want. Then I don't have to haul it. I went out and I got myself a big hefty chainsaw and I cut about 14 cords of wood in a period of about 10 or 12 days. Well, I wasn't in shape to handle a chainsaw. I cut 14 uh, uh, cords of wood and I had a pain in my spine, right? You know, where, where you grip your hand, where it tightens in the spine. And I thought I'd done nerve damage because from the time my daughter was born, I had pain in that area of my spine. It wasn't terrible. It was just always there. Every while I did some nerve damage, I overdid the, you know, vibrating chainsaw. And about four months into using the Avacyn, I got my hand in the Avacyn and I feel this sensation in that spot in my back. And pain that had been there for 40 years was 100% gone. That's wild. My trauma in life, the thing that drove me to move into the arena of healing, my original work was in electronics with a side study in physics. I was an electronic technician, but my mother had toxemia the last six days before I was born and they gave her Pitocin to try to get me out. And that led to them calling my father and saying, if you want to see this kid alive, you better get down to the hospital because he's not going to make it through the night. And I was almost dead three or four times the first year of my life. The first two weeks of school, I was never in school. I was in an oxygen tent in the hospital with lung problems. I came to the point where I recognized that the drugs they were giving me were keeping me alive, but they were killing me. You know, every drug's a disease disguised as a cure. So that set me on a path of healing. That's what led me into this whole, you know, healing mode. But uh, about the six month point, I've got my hand in the office one morning and I take a breath and it's like, oh my God, this is the first breath I have taken in my life. And my lungs have changed. There has always been a wheeze in my lungs my whole life until last December when I got COVID. Now with my lung history and my so-called age, I should have been dead from COVID. The fourth day of COVID was the last time I had a wheeze in my lungs and my lungs have worked better than they have worked in my whole life. COVID was a gift for me. And I had my hand in the Avacyn for hours every day. And there's no wheeze in my lungs since the fourth day I had COVID. That is wild. COVID's a microcirculatory disorder. That's why you hear about the person who lost a leg. Another person had brain problems. Another person had this and that. It's all about circulation. And what the Avacyn's designed to do is to restore circulation. Reports we're getting are that people who get COVID do not have long COVID if they're using the Avacyn.
That's interesting. <laughs> you got to keep the oxygen moving into the cell. You've got to keep the, you got to eat the nutrition. You got to start with the soil. You got to eat nutrition. Then the nutrition has to get into the cell in order for the cell to function properly. And the cell needs to be able to detoxify itself and have a pathway to get rid of its waste. And that's what the Abyssin opens up on a physiological level. So to me, what I see the Abyssin is, you know, my specialty being forget first century Aramaic forgiveness. To me, the Abyssin is physical forgiveness. Mm. You know, when you think of forgiveness as removal of what never belonged, the Abyssin is physical removal of what never belonged. I love works. that. Dr. Rice, I, I know we got to get going here. You got your radio show here uh, shortly. Can you uh, tell everybody where they can find you? You've mentioned your website. Uh, go ahead and tell us again uh, about why, uh, whyagain.org and, and where everybody can find you. Sure. Yeah, if you go to whyagain, whyagain.org, in the upper left-hand corner, there's a link that says Start Here. Click the Start Here button. The first video is a video on how to navigate the website. Our website is huge. It's over 20,000 pages. I don't know how it's growing that large, but that's what it is. So so my wife has done a video uh, and a, a woman, we do a book study with a, a, a book study club in London, England. So a woman in London and my wife did a video on navigating the website, how to find what there is, because there's just so much there, so many resources. And then the second video is a video on how to use the app the app. You can do the forgiveness work there. Uh, there's a kids game for introducing kids to this type of thinking and to forgiveness. Uh, there's access to many of the tools. If you have a question, if you're in using the worksheet process that we have, you can click a button right on any page of the app and send us a question directly. We'll read that question on a radio show, answer it, send you back an email and let you know when we answered it, mm. give you a link to that show. So, so we're here to support. People can call into the radio show five days a week from actually from noon to two o'clock. The radio show is called Mind Shifters Radio. It's on Blog Talk Radio. And the first several years, it was myself and there was a psychologist who was doing this work out of, uh, of Chicago. And he's been doing the work for about 17 or 18 years. And he would listen to the show and we'd talk and he actually became a co-host. And then about oh, going on three years ago now, Dr. Tim Hayes, who's a clinical psychologist, said, Michael, I'm, I'm going to do my own show. And so from noon to one o'clock Eastern time, you'll hear Dr. Tim Hayes, who has a perspective on this work and forgiveness. And then from one till two o'clock, you'll be with Jeannie and I. And, and you can, if you go to the uh, microphone on the website, you can drill down and you can listen to the archives for over 4,000 hours. If you click on the book cover of Why Is This Happening to Me Again, you can download it in any one of, I, don't, I forget now exactly how many, eight or nine different languages. That's amazing. And you can do the worksheet process on the website live. You can download the worksheet so you can print them. You can do them live on your phone with the app print them as a PDF within your phone and any support we can give you or any ideas you have of how we can support you that we're not doing it yet. We're always creating new mechanisms and our ultimate goal literally is to deliver first century Aramaic forgiveness and this understanding to every mind, heart and being on the planet. I love it. That's so nice. Anytime you want to get together, anytime you've got an opening in your schedule, Hey, call Michael. Let's, let's have another conversation because we can do this for, months we and, and we could just keep going and going and and i tell you what dr rice i'm i'm going to take you up on that uh so so guys in the audience uh you're going to be seeing more of dr rice here on the show uh well, man thank you so much for being here with us today absolutely honored and delighted 
All right, uh, guys, thank you so much for uh, checking out this episode of Outside the Box with Dr. Michael Rice. Uh, we'll put all the links that uh, we talked about during the show in the description below. And uh, as always, we'll see you guys um, next time. Appreciate you doing Don't what you do, man. Thanks, Dr. Rice. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.